Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Thousands of migrant families who were separated at the U.S.-Mexico border by the Trump administration will now get some benefits and a shot at asylum. That's under a new agreement between Biden officials and the ACLU to resolve a longstanding lawsuit. KQED's immigration editor Taiki Hendricks reports it will help hundreds of families now in California. The proposed settlement lets reunified families stay in the U.S. for at least three years and apply for permanent protection. It also offers help with housing, legal aid, and mental health services to parents and children who were systematically separated by border agents. Lawyer Lee Gallant led the ACLU's legal team. We will never undo the trauma that's happened to these families or erase this tragic period from United States history. But this settlement is a critical step forward. A federal judge in San Diego must sign off on the deal, which would bar most future separations. It would also require officials to keep working to reunite as many as a 1,000 kids still not back with their parents. Meanwhile, more than 100 families are suing individually, seeking monetary damages for their suffering. For The California Report, I'm Taiki Hendricks. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 
State education officials say they plan to introduce legislation next year to fund professional development for educators in an effort to improve student performance. This comes as many California students are experiencing lags in learning, made worse by the pandemic. State Superintendent of Public Instruction Tony Thurman says the training fund could total $500 million and is expected to increase student proficiency in math and reading. Oftentimes, it is hard to talk about state student performance when many of our districts are working individually. We are banking on a strategy that promotes more collective action amongst our districts and what we can do here at a state level to support them. The State Department of Education is also touting recent grants for student literacy and mental health support and investments in universal access to pre-kindergarten. It's clear that artificial intelligence is here to stay. For colleges, this means figuring out how to regulate the use of it while still encouraging students to engage with the software that will only grow in popularity. Carolyn Jones is an education reporter for CalMatters, and she joins me now to discuss the future of AI in education. Carolyn, welcome. Thank you. So how popular has the use of AI really become among high school students? Well, I think, yeah, like a lot of technology, new technology, there's a novelty factor to it. And I think students are eager to experiment with it and see what it can do and see, you know, how it could help their learning. But then also, you know, I think there's some ethical things that they're also considering about, you know, is this plagiarism? Is it cheating? These are all things that are happening in classrooms right now, these discussions. And what is the State Department of Education recommending when it comes to using AI for this demographic? Well, the State Department of Education is recommending that uh, districts, schools, teachers, classrooms, you know, use it and, and teach teach students. This is this really powerful new tool and it should be in computer science classes. It should be taught in media literacy classes. Um, there's lots of applications for it. And how are college admission offices responding to this uptick in AI use? Well, most colleges and as well as most high schools, for that matter, do have rules against plagiarism. You can't represent someone else's work as your own. And, you know, as we know, AI gathers words from lots and lots of sources. And so in theory, yes, it is, you are stealing content. However, there's a lot of nuance in there. You know, it's probably okay to use AI to kind of brainstorm in some cases. I would say that that might be okay. (laughs) And also there's, you know, AI detection tools and sometimes colleges use those. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes those tools are not very reliable. So there's a lot of gray area nuance in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there concern that students will be falsely accused of using AI to write prompts? Oh, definitely. Yeah. AI detection tools are not great. I think they're wrong, you know, 20 to 30 percent of the time. Sometimes, you know, they're they're completely wrong. But as we know, the technology is constantly changing and AI is constantly getting better and AI detection tools are getting better. So I think one person we talked to said, you know, it's kind of like this arms race over, you know, who's going to get better faster. Right. And from an equity perspective, who stands to benefit the most from the use of AI in education? Well, that's a really good question. Um, Higher income students, you know, for generations have hired tutors or or gotten assistance with their college applications and their essays. Um, And now we have that assistance available to to everybody, basically. 
So there, so in a way, it is a boost for lower income students. But on the flip side, AI itself is kind of rife with bias and misinformation and inherent biases. And so there are equity concerns there as well. What do you think is going to happen to the future of AI in education? What will that look like in the next couple of years? Well, I have to say, as an English major myself, I <laughs> I was like, what AI? This is terrible. <laughs> But the more I learn about it, the more I realize, you know, it's really not going away. It's only going to get better. And I, I think that schools that can figure out a way to incorporate it into lesson plans and learning and really take advantage of the power are going to be better off. I know some school districts have really embraced AI. Um, you know, banning it outright doesn't seem to be a practical solution. And, you know, ultimately it comes down to learning. I mean, you want students to learn how to write and think and express themselves and use their critical thinking skills and not rely on AI to do that. You want them to learn those skills themselves, and hopefully students will see the value of that on their own. That was Carolyn Jones, an education reporter with Cal Matters. Carolyn, thank you so much. Sure thing, thank you for having me. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, October 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery on the web at SchmidtOcean.org. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.